Good morning, beautiful people. Do you believe you're beautiful? Good. I do. I believe I am. I believe I am beautiful. That's awesome. Well, uh, I did this at the last service, and I feel like I should go ahead and do it at this service too, but uh, Franklin Graham and a few other uh, leaders in the body of Christ have requested that if we could at all churches and those of the Capital C Church, how many know Victor Life is part of the Capital C Church, the big church, Jesus? And uh, a lot of other uh, pastors, uh, Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway down in Dallas, and a few others uh, have just requested that if churches across America would come together this morning and pray uh, for our president and for our government, uh, that we could be unified in prayer. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that, uh, we, that prayers need to be offered up for all people that are in high civic office, and that's done so that we can have a quiet and peaceable life. And I did pray for President Obama when he was in office, and I'm going to pray for President Trump, and I'm going to pray whoever's after President Trump, because the scripture doesn't give us a specific uh, disclaimer on only pray with the, for the ones that you agree with. It says just to pray uh, for those that are in office so that we can reap the benefits of that prayer, which is peace and unity. So if you would, why don't you join me this morning? Let's lift up our president and our nation and our government today. Well, Father, we join with our brothers and sisters literally across this great land to lift up our president, his cabinet, our Congress, and our Supreme Court. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that as a nation, we have made a choice to uphold a kingdom core value, which is freedom. Father, freedom is not an American idea. It's a kingdom idea. And Jesus, you died on a cross so that men and women could be made free. And as a nation, Father, we have chosen to partner with you in that core value of freedom. So, Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be moving in our civic offices all across this great land. Father, we pray for people in our governing bodies that don't know you. Father, that are anti-you. Lord, you were able to speak in dreams to pagan kings and to bring Daniels, to bring prophets in, to advise and to instruct in the way of righteousness, even when unrighteous people were in civic offices. You're no different. I believe, God, that you've strategically placed Daniels in our governmental bodies, that the move of the Spirit is happening still, that you haven't given up on America, you haven't given up on our nation. But Father, I pray for those Daniels that are strategic messengers, strategic prophetic voices in all of our government sectors, that they would be strengthened, that they would be equipped today. I pray for kingdom-minded people, people that have the heart of Christ to instruct and counsel and advise our president. Father, I thank you that as there seems to be dividing lines being drawn in America in this culture war that we're in the midst of, I pray that those dividing lines would cause the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this nation to stand more united, more boldly connected. I pray that you would preserve the church in this great land, which is the salt and the light of this nation, that you would preserve us in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, and that as Christians in this nation, we would be a prophetic representation of the kingdom which is under the king of the Lord Jesus Christ. We put not our trust in princes in accordance with what the Psalms say. We believe we, and we put all of our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who is king. Not king elect, not king that has a term limit, but king eternal. 
And I pray, Father, that us as a praying people, as a Christian people, would see a move of kingdom connection take place in our government sectors and that freedom would be preserved in this land, that equality, Father, that equal opportunity for all would be preserved in this land, that religious freedoms would be preserved, that free speech would be preserved. We thank you for grace and protection in all of our governmental leaders and our president. And we pray for America today that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in this nation as it is in your heaven. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Well, I want to talk to you today about how to vote. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. We'll save that one for Pastor Dwayne, okay? Today I want to talk to you about life. How many of you know that life is heavy? Life is heavy, and sometimes life is not just heavy, it's also hard. And when those two adjectives are the descriptor of your life, how many of you know that there's a third thing that starts with an H that we all need, and it's help, When we're experiencing heaviness in our life and we're experiencing hardship in our lives, we are in need of help. I think about heavy lifting and lifting heavy things. And can I get a witness this morning that it's really frustrating whenever you're trying to lift something heavy all by yourself. Let your mind go to, if you will, times, especially the men in the room today, that you really were convinced that you could move that dresser or that washing machine or that whatever up and down the stairs at your house. Are you seeing it? You don't have to repent for all the words that you said during that time. We've, I believe that you're good Christian people, that you've allowed the blood of Jesus to wash you of that, but do allow yourself to experience those emotions again. There's really, I think, very few things that's worse than getting into a situation like that And this thing is so heavy and you don't know for sure what you're going to do because now you've backed yourself into a corner and it's literally I have to exert all of my energy, cause strain on my body to get this thing moved because if I don't, the only option is really death. That's all that there is. If this thing falls, it falls on me. I'm going down the stairs, whatever it might be. And especially, like I said, let me just appeal to some of the men in the room today. There is this thing that rises up on the inside of you Whenever you're faced with situations that are deadly and you want to come out and protect and defend and you find some extra strength that you didn't know you have. But what pushes you to want to carry that and get the job done even more than the fact that it's life-threatening is the small flash in your mind that you think you might actually have to ask for help. Like that thought of having to ask somebody to help you do what you knew you could do by yourself is what eventually makes you push through and figure out a way to get it done. But can I be honest to you? Can I be honest with you? There's an easier and a better way to move something that's heavy. And that's called calling a few people. And how many of you know that if I just am able to connect something as simple as a few extra hands onto that heavy object, it makes my experience a lot more enjoyable. How many of you have been faced with a hard situation before? Something that you just couldn't figure out. Any carpenters in the room today? Like you actually know what you're doing with woodworking. You're not just like me. You own tools but have no idea what to do with them. Anybody like that? I'm just a guy, so I figure I have to have tools. But I don't know what they're for. I just have them to prove that I'm a guy. But uh, I'm like the least handy person. I am faithful. I am friendly. I am cute and cuddly. But I'm not 
I'm not, I'm not handy. So I just don't have the, the handyman gene in me. But uh, I can remember one time I was like going to try to frame this, this mirror that my wife had bought. And uh, we, I think I went, I went to Lowe's like 25 times, all to buy the same board. Because I don't know if you know this or not, if you cut it too short, you can't put the wood back that you should have had there. So like I had I borrowed this saw. I had no idea what even the saw was called. So that was really embarrassing because I had to ask somebody, hey, I need one of those saws that goes like this. Like you hold it and they do this with it. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, you know, you put the weight and you pull it down. Oh, well, that's a miter saw. I said, that's a miter saw. I said, oh, great. Well, might I borrow a miter saw? Because I really <laughs> need one of those. So we took, I took it and I was, remember I was cutting this trim board and I had to go buy the same stinking board like eight times because I just couldn't get the cut right. And I remember I eventually ended up calling my grandpa or my dad or something. I said, how do you use the miter saw? And then I figured out that you didn't have to try to put the board a weird way you can actually set it and there's this thing that you unscrew and it'll move the board for you to the angle that you want and I was trying to hold it like anyway so it was really sad really sad that this was a long time ago this was like 35 years ago whenever this happened and uh so it's really in the past and I'm a lot more proficient when it comes to uh, the miter saw, you know, you know, I looked immediately to Colton and asked him what the name of the saw. I still don't know what I'm doing. Okay. But in the hard situation, I had to call and ask for help. Can I tell you this? There are people in the room today and there's people in the rooms that you occupy, your office, your, your family room, your home, different rooms that we occupy in life. And there's people in that room that are needing help. You don't always know that they're needing help. Because sometimes you're the person in the room that's needing help. But nothing is more aggravating, frustrating, or disheartening than to be going through heavy and hard situations in life and feeling either that you're unable to ask for help or that if I were to ask for help, nobody really will connect with me in this place. This part of my life is something that I should know how to do. This part of my life is something that I should be over by now. This part of my life is something that everybody else can do but me. How many of you have had those thoughts before about things that you're experiencing? If I reach out for help in this particular area, even though I'm pinned in the corner and I have no idea how I'm gonna carry this heavy thing up the stairs, there's other people that can do this. And sometimes we kind of... uh, over, put a lot of overconfidence, if, we, if you will. We put too much confidence in our ability to take care of things all by ourselves. Now, there was a time not too long ago, 10, 11, 12 years ago, that I used to really enjoy lifting weights. And I used to work out all the time and I was in really good shape. So I just found that there's actually more enjoyable things to lift like sub sandwiches. So I lift <laughs> those sandwiches now. And, uh, and those, those just do something. They do have an effect on your body as well. But uh, anyway, the experience is much more pleasant. So, but there was a time in my life that I really enjoyed lifting weights and I was a lot stronger then than I am now. But there's times that I get myself into situations that I have a reference point on what my strength used to be. So when I go to pick up something heavy, I immediately find out that no, what used to be strength now is just strain. And I experience pain in my body in places that I didn't have pain before because I'm now weak in that area. How many of you know that even though you've walked through hard and heavy things in the past, sometimes there's hard and heavy things about your present that even though you were able to successfully walk through it in your past, in the present, it's presenting you much difficulty. Are you following me? I think that uh, so often in our life, it's easy for us 
to want to listen to the lie of pride that says, I can take care of this by myself. If I just try harder, it'll go away. If I just figure out some kind of a hack for this situation, if I get my legs underneath it too, how many of you done that thing? When you lift something, you get your legs underneath it too, and then you know this whole thing is now in a really worse situation because not every muscle group in my body is compromised and falling is now inevitable. That's usually whenever I call out uh, for my wife and I let her move it by herself. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, no, at that, at that point in time, I know that help is definitely needed. I'm really glad that I have the Siri function that I can talk to now. I won't say her name because if I do, she'll come on, but sometimes you, know, you just have to holler for help even if it's your phone to get somebody to respond, paramedics, whoever it might be. But um, here's the thing that I want to encourage you with is that all of us at some level are currently walking through something heavy and hard in our lives, or at some point in our past, we've walked through something heavy and hard. And there's somebody that you're sitting next to today that A, is either currently walking through something heavy and hard, or from their past has walked through something heavy and hard. And this is what I know is that even though in the middle of those hard and heavy things in life, the frustration that's there is real. But can I be honest with you? That in the middle of heavy and hard things, if we choose to do those things alone, we're only going to get frustration. But there's something that happens when we add somebody to our life in the middle of the heavy and hard things. And I want to propose to you today that that's the only way that things actually have the potential to become fun. Life is full of frustration. Can I get a witness? But life is also full of fun. Can I get a witness? And if you really want to do just a quick little scroll through the archives of memory in your brain, I can guarantee you that your fun memories are always going to involve other people. And your frustrating memories are always going to involve other people. But the frustrating memories in our life that we have are usually whenever we're dealing with things internally that we don't feel safe talking about with other people. Other people might have contributed to it. Other people in bad relationships, bad life choices might have contributed to some of the things that we're frustrated about. But what we're really frustrated about at this present moment is not feeling a sense of connection with a person, a a sense of connection with a loved one that we're able to actually express the way that we're feeling. Say that life is heavy and life is hard. Life is also frustrating, but I believe that when we start to make a connection with the people around us, things become fun as well. I want to tell you a little bit of a story here. So uh, my in-laws, amazing people, precious people, honored to have them as a second set of parents in my life. They're changing up their living situation and uh, selling their house. And they have these two, uh, I guess, loft beds would be the best way to describe. It's like a bunk bed that only has the top bunk. And there's two of them. And they're really heavy and they're really hard to figure out how to put together. And uh, they brought them over to the house because they're giving them to my two oldest kids. And they're really excited about it. So I took the two, two kids to a birthday party. I got back and my wife and my in-laws had spent the whole time I was gone, a couple hours, putting these beds together. And uh, whenever I got there, I went with... The they left and after we ate dinner and, and I went upstairs with my wife and we went to the room where the beds were. And as soon as we went into the room, I knew in looking at my wife's beautiful face that she was not happy with where the beds actually ended up. Now, it wasn't that she wasn't happy because the beds were put together, but I know because I love this precious woman that there's a certain look that she has whenever she wants to do something, but she knows that if she asks me to do that thing with her, there's a potential for me to not respond the right way all the time. Okay. 
So I've been, I've been working at this. You can ask her. I've been doing decently better. And uh, I knew as soon as I went up there that I knew because we think the same by now. And these, these beds are just in this room. It was just not going to work. It's not going to go. They're going to look better in the other room. So I looked at her and I said what I knew because I looked at her and I saw that there was a need. And the need was that I know her and she knows me. And there was something that she wasn't telling me. And that was that these beds were going to look better in the other room. But here's the thing about it. These beds are heavy and they're hard. So the easy thing is like to be able to pick up a bed and just move it out the doorway. Well, when the bed is like 16 lanes of traffic long, you know, it's, it's huge and it's tall, it doesn't fit through the doorway. And the frustrating thing was that we both said that we really need to only take these beds like 18 feet across the hall to the other room. Can I be honest with you? You can see from point A to point B in your life, but how many of you know that it's frustrating in regards to sometimes being able to get from point A to point B because even though it's a straight line, there's about 32 steps of things that you have to do to be able to get there. There's experiences that happen in the 18 feet that are powerful for good and for bad. So we both get into the room and I look at her and I know that these beds are not going to work. All right, my, my wife is an interior designer and uh, that means that she knows how things need to look. And because of that, I, that little bit of that's rubbed off on me. So I walked in the room, and as soon as I walked in the room, I knew that these beds were not going to work. And I looked at her, and I knew this is the option. Right now, it's 1130 at night, and if we do this, we're going to be up for a while. But if we do this together, we can actually get it done. Because what I know about my wife is that this need's not going to go away, and she's going to find a way to get this done. And what I don't want to have happen is her have to do this by herself. Yeah. So... It's taken me almost 10 years to get there. I was not this way always. So I looked at the beds and I said this, because she's exhausted. They've been doing this for several hours before I got there. These beds are from a particular store that I think um, is run by people that uh, have sadistic tendencies. They like, to, they, uh, they like to give you everything in like a million pieces. And uh, I don't know if it's like a, a Hunger Game type strategy, like let's just see who makes it and puts these things together. And uh, it'll test everything. This particular store, they try to offer you food while you're there too to make things better, but it doesn't make anything better. This is something that'll test your marriage. It'll test your Christianity. It'll test, it'll test your parenting. It'll test everything. Uh, I think part of, I'm, I need to start doing this. Part of premarital counseling with people is I just need to send them to this store and give them something to put together because it's, it's quite a terrible experience. Well, I'm a seasoned vet when it comes to working with these kinds of things now with uh, this particular store. And uh, so I looked at it and I, I said, I know this is going to be terrible. I know that this is going to be hard and this is going to be heavy, but I know that if we can do this together, we can figure it out because my wife and I have walked through a lot of hard and heavy things together and uh, there's nothing that we haven't been able to get through with each other. So anyway, not being emotional today, but here's the thing that's going to happen. Oh, praise God, miter saw. Here's the thing that I want to tell you today is that, uh, is that we walked into this room and I just knew that this was going to have to be done. And I want to propose to you that there's people around you day in and day out that have a look in their eye the way my wife had a look in their eye and they have a need. There's something about the arrangement of their life that's not right. And they're looking for people that are willing to partner with them in the midst of that heavy and hard situation and lend a helping hand. But because people have often gotten rejected, because people have often got misunderstood, because people are afraid of vocalizing the need because they know the work that it's going to entail. 
You're not the only one that's aware of how much work it's going to be. They know the work that's going to be, that's going to be entailed. There's a lot of people, especially people in the room today, especially people outside the room today, they have needs. They have things that are going on in their life. But because they know the amount of work that it's going to entail, they are not going to offer it up to you themselves. It takes an eye looking for need. It takes an eye looking on how I can make the people around me better how I can make the lives of the people around me better. It takes eyes that first will look to Jesus. It takes a body that will first come to Jesus. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11 that those of us that are tired, those of us that are burdened, are heavy laden, those of us that are laboring, in the Greek that laboring is the word toil, we're expending a lot of energy but not really making any progress, that those people that are in the middle of heavy and hard situations in life, Jesus is actually inviting them to come to him. And he's inviting them to come to him because he says that he wants to be able to give them rest. If you look up that word rest there in the Greek, it's the word for recreation. How many of you know that recreation is fun? The word recreation is actually two parts. It's recreation. There's something that God wants to put together in people's lives by calling out to tired, heavy-laden people that are walking through hard issues in life. And he's wanting them through this invitation to come to himself so that they can experience rest for their souls, recreation for their souls, a recreation of their life that will actually provide them pleasure, delight, unity, peace, healing, wholeness, whatever word that you want to use there. But he says this, that in coming to him, the way that that rest, that recreation happens in their soul is that he gives them an exchange. What you're carrying for what he's carrying. And the heavy and hard, whenever you look to Jesus, actually becomes the light and the easy. Jesus said, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is still extending an invitation to people that are walking through hard and heavy situations in their life. And he's extending that invitation to people. And the way that he's extending that invitation to people is through you. If you were with us last week, I made a case for who you look like. And I told you that because of Jesus, you look exactly like your dad now, your heavenly father. That you are a representation of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit into this life. I love when I get these messages. If you've ever done this to me, it's okay. I still love you. But... I'm going to talk about what you did to me. But I love getting these messages from people. And I get texts and Facebook messages and emails sometimes. And I love the messages that I get, especially when it's like this. Pastor, there's a guy that's on the corner down from the church. And uh, I think he might be homeless. And uh, he's needing some food. He's maybe needing a place to stay. And the, and the message always ends with this. What is the church going to do about that? Or what can the church do about that? I love that. I love that. It's a good question. Now when I get asked that, I just tap them on the shoulder and I say, tag, you're it. Because whether or not you know this or not, you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, are a temple of the Holy Spirit and you are the church of Jesus Christ. Everybody in this room is a member of the church of Jesus Christ. So I believe that the question is right. I just believe that the application is wrong. What is the church going to do about it? What is the church going to do with heavy, hard situations 
and people that are facing heavy and hard situations, that have a need that they want to vocalize, but because they know the work that it's going to entail, they've either allowed fear to talk them out of it, shame to talk them out of it, because of rejection from religious folks instead of people that are actually in relationship with Jesus that model him well, they hide those needs. They hide those vocalizations of the things that are going on in their life. And I want to propose to you today that Jesus is inviting people that are going through hard, heavy things into connection with him, but he's not going to bypass you to do it because he's called you his body. He's called you his hands and his feet. He's given us to the world the same way that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus and the word became flesh. God still loves the world. He hasn't changed his mind. And each and every day, he's sending Jesus in the form of his body, his hands, his feet, his voice, his smile, his laugh, his hug into the world to accomplish the purpose that Jesus did when he was in single form, present on the earth, which is give people that are walking through heavy and hard things recreation, a recreation, a rebuilding, a rest, a completion for their souls. That's what Jesus is after. So I was in the bedroom looking at the things and my wife and I start to go to work and we're thinking that there's got to be a better way to do this, to move it. So we actually found a way that we could put it in about three pieces and be able to get it out the door. So one, I saw that there was a need there. So if you're taking notes, if you want to make a real difference in people's life, one, start looking for needs. Start looking for needs. Have an eye to see needs. Have an eye to see needs. And then two, be willing to partner with people to see needs met, okay? Saw there was a need, knew what we needed to do. I said, let's do it. I'm with you, however long it takes. Let's get this thing moved. So we started to work, both of us. Notice that there's a co-laboring in the midst of this. How many of you know there's a co-laboring in the midst of your life? You working with Jesus. It's just not sitting back and saying, Jesus, just wave your magic wand and make all these things work for me. It's actually you learning now the yoke that Jesus talks about that's easy is a way of life. It's a teaching. It's a pattern. To be a disciple means that we actually have to follow our master who's Jesus. There's thoughts that we have to change. There's new ways of thinking that we have to adopt. There's behaviors and things that we have to let the Lord deal with, but our will is involved in the process of getting through the heavy and hard things of life. How many of you know that when you're connected to Jesus and people that love Jesus, your will doesn't go away. Your will is just not the source of the strength. Even if I get Austin, Colton, and somebody else to help me move a heavy piece of furniture, my will doesn't go away, does it? I still have to be involved in that process, but man, does my load get lighter. I still have to have hands on that issue. I still need to be praying into particular things, believing God for particular things. But the beauty and the recreation, the rest that comes to my soul is whenever I'm not having to put so much strain on myself. Guys, every day you meet people that are walking through heavy and are carrying, are carrying heavy things, are walking through hard things. And I think that the church needs to be the people that are willing to get our hands involved and say, we can come along and help you carry that load. So in the bedroom, my wife and I are strategizing how we're going to take this thing apart. And how many of you know that this process of seeing a need, being willing to get needs met, is not a clean process? If you've ever done this before, it's messy. And there's times when it's frustrating. I can guarantee you, if you're connecting with anybody in a relationship, 
and helping them walk through heavy and hard things in their lives, there's times that you're going to be frustrated because it's frustrating. Even when you have three or four guys on one sofa that's heavy to move it, it's frustrating when you get to the doorway. It's fine coming down off the back of the truck and it's wide open spaces, but as soon as you get to the doorway and you have to figure out a way to tilt this thing up and then the other guy in the back is like, Mr. Gung-Ho, come on, just push it, come on, just push it, and then bam, your hand gets in the doorway and your fingers are slammed. You don't feel so great about the guy that was there to help you, do you? Oh, I I didn't know that your hand was there. I know, but I knew my hand was there because I feel it right here. That's the process of connecting with people in a relationship. Relationship is complicated. Relationship is messy. And here's the thing. There is risk involved. But let me be honest with you. You can't live lives that are pleasing to God, which are lives of faith-led, not sight-led, service to God, and risk not be involved. The faith-led life is a risky life. And I'll be honest with you, you're not living by faith if you never had to risk anything. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's the Greek spelling of the word faith, risk, dependence, trust on God. So even when I have multiple hands on a heavy situation in my life, there are going to be times that it's frustrating. But here's the thing I got to remember, that in that moment, I'm not here to fight the guy that's trying to push in the couch because we're trying to get to the same goal. What I need to do is I need to learn how to vocalize my need better. Hey, when you tilt the couch that way, my hand is still here, and now I'm pretty sure all my fingers are broken. So what we need to do is let's set it down for a second, and let's regroup. Because these legs right here, even if we got the couch to the door, the legs aren't going to fit anyway. Oh, you remember that moment? So like now you're unscrewing the legs, and then one of the legs gets lost, and then it makes you have to go back to Lowe's because you don't want to go back to the store with the meatballs that's demonic, so you want to go to the other place. But anyway, so those kind of things happen. But there's times that we have to stop, and we have to assess and regroup about what we're doing. There's a frustration that comes with it. Let me tell you, when Serena and I were moving these beds the other night, there would be times, and some of the stuff I wish that we could film, and, uh, and it would just be great for reflection, but there would be times if you were to look in in certain moments of that that you would say, Pastor Zach's marriage is in trouble. <laughs> if all you saw was just the snapshot, and here's the thing, it's in relationship and in this weird thing called communication that all these frustrations start coming out because there were literally times that my wife and I were saying the exact same thing, just two completely different ways. She's like, we got to put this piece right here on this piece. I said, I know, but I'm talking about this piece connects to this piece. No, this piece is right here. And then we turn around, we both look at it and we say, yeah, that's the piece I'm talking about. I said, well, why didn't you say that piece? Well, I was seeing it from that piece. Okay, we had to stop, get away from it, look at it because it's hard. The worst possible thing that you can do with people that you're in relationship with is just try to plow through hard things. Sometimes you have to stop, regroup, communicate, reevaluate the need. Because when you're partnering with people to do life, and today's our summer launch for life groups, that's what life groups are about. It's about doing life with each other. It's about doing life with people and opening up about the heavy, hard things that I have going on in my life and letting, letting pride get out of the way, humbling ourselves and inviting people in so that I can have an extra set of hands on what I'm trying to move. Now, the extra set of hands is a, is a relief. It is a rest. It does make the burden a lot lighter. But here's the thing. It doesn't always make it easier in the sense of simpler. There's still hard things that are going on. Just because I partnered with Serena to be able to get these bed moves 
moved does not mean that the beds now stop being complicated. They were extremely complicated. But in that moment, two of us working on the same problem was better than one of us. Are you following me? So if you were looking at certain snapshots of this three-hour-long journey that we were on, you would have said, man, Pastor Zach's marriage is in trouble. But here's the thing. That same moment, about 10 minutes later, if you would have looked in on, you would have said, man, do I want to be able to have a marriage like that? Same process, just different points in the journey. Can I be honest with you? You need to stop comparing your chapter two to somebody else's chapter 20. You have to be honest about what part of the process you are in and be committed to stay engaged in that part of the process. And sometimes chapter two requires multiple hands and multiple strong backs to get to chapter 20, which is sitting on the back porch sipping lemonade. Are you following me? Okay. So in this, in this portion of where we're at, there was moments that you say, man, their marriage is in trouble. But just a few moments later, you look in and you'd say, this was hilarious. I haven't laughed as hard as I laughed that night with my wife in a long time. Because it was actually the longer that we worked at it together because we were committed to get this thing done together. There were times that what was frustrating 15 minutes ago and partially sleep deprivation could have played into this as well. But what was just frustrating 15 minutes ago is now hilarious. There was one time that, remember I told you, sometimes I think I'm stronger than I am. And I thought, well, what I need to do is I just need to get underneath this entire structure. And I can just use, use my head and just my whole body. I'll be like this oak tree and I'll just lift this thing up. And then I remember, oh, the only lifting I do these days is sub sandwiches. But I got underneath there and I started lifting this thing up. And I'm like, we're just going to walk and we're going to move this thing. And, you know, connection and relationship requires us to be vulnerable and take risks. There's going to be some times that we try things that just because they fail doesn't mean that it didn't communicate value in the moment. There's going to be times that we're in relation and we're connectionship. We're in connectionship. We're in relationship and connection with people. And we're going to say, I don't really know what to do in that situation, but would you be willing for us to try this? In the middle of that, that was kind of like me standing up underneath this bed and lifting it with my head. Terrible idea to do something like that. But as I did that, my wife thought, well, I'm going to do the same thing on this side, not with her head, but with her hands. So as she's lifting up the bed. My head's stuck in between the slats now because it shifted where I've got the balance. And as she's lifting up, my head's going back like this. And the only thing that I could get out of my mouth is, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm going back. I'm prepared to stay connected with you in this moment. Because I'm committed to you, we're in relationship, but I really want to know what's happening right now because it's hurting me. I don't know what's happening. So we sat the thing down. I got freed from the death trap and my wife is just on the floor dying laughing, which causes me to laugh. How many of you know that life is frustrating, but it's also fun. And when you make a decision to be in relationship with people, some of the most painful and frustrating things that you'd experienced in an alone time now become the source of laughter, joy, and fond memory because you decided to experience it with somebody else. We have to be devoted to coming to Jesus, to being connected to Jesus, but also now allowing Jesus through us to reach out and provide connection to the people around us. I have no doubt that Jesus calls us individually to himself, but I know that even though Jesus calls us individually to himself, that's not where he has us stop. In the garden, Adam is living in perfect relationship with God, 
perfect communion with God. He's got this relationship with God that's awesome. And God looks at it and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam wasn't lonely, but he was alone. And God provided him somebody else, a companion, a connection. I have a problem whenever people say things like, all you need is Jesus, because that's not true. If that were the case, God would have never provided Eve in the garden. And I have a real problem whenever the church is talking to people, especially our brothers and sisters. Can I just be honest with you? We're nicer to lost people than we are our brothers and sisters a lot of the time. And I have no problem with all the push about getting into the world and loving the world, but I do have a problem whenever it comes at the cost of hating our family. That's a problem. So there's no problem with reaching out that way. All right. But even though uh, I told you that Adam in the garden wasn't uh, lonely, but he was alone, God saw that he needed to have connection. And the same way that I have a problem whenever people say all you need is Jesus, I have a problem whenever people bring us their heavy and hard situations. And the best that we can do is tell them, well, you need to pray more. You need to just spend some more alone time with Jesus. If you just prayed more, then everything would be okay. It's like, no, I've been trying that. I talk to people all the time and say, Pastor, just like everybody brings me their problems. Like even when I go into Walmart, I go into Walmart and I go in for eggs and I leave with five people's life stories. What's up with that? Anybody like that in the room? It's like everywhere you go, people want to talk to you. Everywhere you go, people bring you their problems. Anybody ever just tell you, you're just a safe place for me. I feel like I can just talk with you. Do you want me to be really honest with you? It's because they see Jesus in you. Jesus kind of had this thing with everybody wanting to bring their problems to him too. They kind of wanted to bring everybody that was sick to Jesus because they knew he's not sick. He's actually got a cure. Broken people were attracted to Jesus because people that are broken, that are after help, not relief, because help and relief are not the same thing. But people that are after help will always find themselves coming to people that have chosen to represent Christ well in the world. That's just how it works. And in the middle of that, a lot of times the best that we can do for people that are walking through heavy and hard situations is just tell them to pray more. Instead of seeing the need and saying, even though I know this is going to be work, and even though that I know this is going to require some of my time, my sweat, my energy, even though I know that my hand can get bumped in the process, my head could get stuck in between the slats of this bed, you're worth it to be able to walk this out with you. And we actually take an approach to life that I believe is the Jesus approach, and we say, go ahead and come to me. Come to me. We release the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you that are tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We allow the invitation of the Lord that's operating on the inside of us to be released in such a way that we create spaces and times in our lives that foster connection and relationship. We can create spaces and times in our lives where the heavy and hard situations actually have the potential to be shifted into fun and fond memories. We create the spaces and the time with the Lord to allow people to receive rest, a true recreation for their souls. Our lives change for forever whenever we come to Jesus and we allow the Jesus in us now to connect us to the people around us. I said this in our prayer a little earlier Jesus called the church the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I did a little study one time and I found out, and I don't fact check me on this, I don't remember the exact number, but there's like 12 or 13 naturally occurring types of salt. 
And how many of you know that just be, there's salt, but there's multiple types, naturally occurring types of salt, light, salt and light. How many of you know that there's different wavelengths of light? There's different colors of light. It's all light, but there's red light, there's violet light, there's what you see in the rainbow is different representations of the same thing. I want to tell you today that you have things in you that the people around you need. All of us are called to represent Jesus in this world. But let me be real with you, real with you. All of us are called to represent Jesus, but we're also called to represent the unique flavor of him and the unique color of him that he's placed in our lives. Based upon our gifts, our personalities, our strengths, our weaknesses, there's people around you that need the Jesus in you because only you can release him that particular way. As a believer, we're called to live a supernatural kind of life, a life beyond just our normal human limits. I believe that in the room, there's things that are just very natural for you to do, like being able to offer some hands to help somebody with a heavy cap or possibly to offer somebody some expertise on how to use a miter saw. Or maybe be able to look into a situation now that you're on the, this side of parenting and have launched successful adults into the world to look into young families that are experiencing the pressures and the struggles of doing this for the very first time and being able to offer two sets of hands, a voice, and support. I believe that all of us have natural abilities in our room that are not so natural whenever we choose to come to the Lord, partner with Him, and allow him now through our life to reach out to the people around us. Because if we're all called to supernatural living as believers, and we are, what that is, is it's a partnership of two worlds because it's the partnership of two people. I take naturally what God's deposited in my life, the skills, the abilities, the mindset, the experiences that I have, and I present those to the Lord, and his super is able to meet me there, and what that causes is radical life change in the people around me. You might have just a gift and a desire and a passion to quilt. And for you, it looks very natural. I can tell you, for anybody that doesn't know how to quilt, quilting is not natural to them. You might have just a natural passion for woodworking. You might have a natural passion for parenting. You just love being a parent. You love that season, and you feel like that season's not done. I guarantee you, speaking for two young parents, that young parents that are walking through raising like 37 kids like we are, it's nice to have multiple hands, multiple voices to carry something that some days is very heavy and very hard. And there's something that happens whenever we take the things that we just naturally have passion for and we present those to the Lord and we invite people into that as we actually create times and spaces for Jesus to be revealed. Jesus said that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is also in the midst of them. Can I be honest with you? Sri and I partnering to move that heavy and hard bed across the hall made a space for Jesus to be revealed. Why? Because what's always evident of Jesus being in a place is that what should happen doesn't happen. What started off at a few moments of frustration, some aggravation, some lack of communication turned into after the beds being built up, after the beds were put together, us still sitting together on the floor wanting to talk, laugh, be in fellowship. Well, by the world standard, should have been a poor night spending 11.30 to 3.30 in the morning putting together these beds. Ended up being something now that's a very fond memory to us both. The sign of Jesus being in a place 
is that the impossible happens. The unexpected happens. I believe that God's stirring in your heart to be able to lead a life group this semester around the natural thing in your heart, the thing that you're passionate about. But here's the thing. There's nothing about that group that he wants to be natural. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is also in the midst. And whenever Jesus is present in that moment, what happens is rest for our souls. Recreation. There's a recreating of our life in that moment to be centered around his peace and his enjoyment. And what was once trying to get that heavy couch through the doorway is now a sitting on that same couch in fellowship, in community, in love, and in connection. There's a lot of things that Jesus could have said, church, in regards to how the world would know that we were his disciples. But he chose this one thing. He said, the world will know that you belong to me because of how you love one another. Loving people, connecting with people, opening up our lives, opening up our homes, partnering with people in their processes is one of the chief ways that the world gets to find out about who Jesus is. My encouragement to us all is that we would take the type of salt that we are. We take the color of light that we are and we would surrender those things to his service and we would allow people through our lives to come to Jesus, to experience real rest. Did you get anything from the Lord today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to invite the ministry teams to come. I want to pose a question. What would happen if I asked myself, should the church have a welcome sign or a stop sign on its doors? And I think we all can answer the question in our hearts that we know it should be a welcome sign. And just partner with the Lord right now where you are and just ask the Lord, Lord, does my life as a representative of your church have a welcome sign or a stop sign on it? Do I see the need around me? The need to be a mentor to fatherless men. The need to be a mentor to motherless women. The need to be a mentor to young parents that are trying to figure things out. The need to be a friend to people that are struggling with addiction. Things that are heavy and things that are hard. The need to be a friend to people that are just struggling with loneliness. The need to be a comforter to people that are walking through grief and loss. Father, am I seeing those needs around me? And am I putting up a welcome sign? Am I saying, I don't know exactly what to do, but I can't offer an extra set of hands. I can't offer an invitation to my house, to lunch, to my group. Father, am I putting up a welcome sign or am I putting up a stop sign? Father, I pray that you give us courage today to be people that allow the invitation of Jesus to be released through our lives. That when people connect with us, they would hear the words, come to me. All you that are walking through heavy and hard things. And I'll bring you into a place that's light and easy. I'll simplify things. 
I'll give your souls a real rest. I'll use my power to recreate some things in your life. Father, I pray that we would stop selling ourselves so short. That we wouldn't look at the salt and the light that we are and say nobody needs that. I pray, God, today that by the Holy Spirit you teach us a new way. That you would allow our minds to think from the perspective that somebody needs what I carry. Somebody needs what you've placed on the inside of me. And I pray, Lord, that in the midst of constantly looking to make our lives better, that we would stop and find that the truth to a better life comes from committing to make the lives of the people around us better. Pray, Lord, that you would allow us to be led by your Holy Spirit into real connection this life group semester. That we would take the step, we would take the risk to open up our home, to meet at the coffee shop, to send out that invitation, that text to a couple people, to say, hey, I'm just wanting to provide a place to do what Pastor Zach talked about on Sunday, just to be honest about the heavy and hard things that we're all walking through and come to Jesus together to find some rest, to find some fun, to find some enjoyment in this life. Pray, God, that we would continue to not be just a church in a city, but for a city. Not just a church that shows up around each other, but that we would be a church that show up with each other in connection, in community, so that the world might know who this Jesus is through those that you have sent, which is us. We love you today. Thank you for empowering us by your grace to be people that live lives of connection and that see your rest come into the lives of people that desperately need your healing touch. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen.